awfully quiet. Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you have joined us for our Palm Sunday service. Thank you for uh, joining us at home, wherever you are. Um, again, we are very excited to be here, and I've got my cohort, Katie, here. So uh, we would just love it if you would stand where you're at, which you may be at home. If you can't stand, that's fine, too. But let's stand in honor of the Lord, and let's worship him together.
so much, Shira, and thank you, Katie, and welcome to First Baptist Church of Coronado. Uh, This uh, most unusual Palm Sunday since the original one, uh, back 2020 years ago, and special thanks to Ryan and Ellie who brought in uh, Palm Branch, so uh, that's appropriate for today. And uh, I'm not sure in Jerusalem if they have Mexican fan palms or not, but this will work for us today. And we're just so glad that you've tuned in. Hope that you get a blessing out of being at virtual church this morning at First Baptist Church. I want to share a couple of announcements with you. Uh, there There are no through the week meetings, of course. Uh, Stay very safe, stay uh, healthy, and we'll get back to being able to meet together as soon as we possibly can. There are some Bible studies online, lots of them. I would recommend uversion.com. Also, uh, go to church websites. You'll find a ton of uh, Bible studies that will keep you connected during these difficult times. Next Sunday is Easter, and guess what? Not even COVID-19 can cancel Easter. The devil himself tried to cancel it. Uh, but it didn't work. He rose uh, according Amen. to scriptures, and so we want to celebrate together. And uh, he is risen, and we will be meeting here uh, virtually online again next Sunday morning. I want you to continue to pray. Pray for our country. Uh, pray for our city. Pray for our uh, people and our members of our church and our families. Pray that uh, God gets glory through all of this and that uh, men's hearts and women's hearts are turned toward the Lord during this. I want to encourage our members at First Baptist Church to uh, consider giving online or uh, in the mail. Either way, fbcoronado.com if you want to give online. And uh, if you put uh, something in the mail, then 445C Avenue, Coronado, California, 92118. Uh, also, let other people know about our online services. And if you need anything during this difficult time, if we can be of help to you, let us know. We have people who are available to help out with those who have special needs. I want to read what would be the bulletin if we had a bulletin today. And it's called Jesus Obituary 33 AD. And it reads like this. Jesus Christ, 33, formerly of Nazareth, died Friday on Mount Calvary, also known as Golgotha, or the place of the skull. Betrayed by the apostle Judas, Jesus was crucified by the Romans under order of Pontius Pilate. The cause of death was crucifixion, severe torture, loss of blood, and a broken heart. Jesus was a descendant of Abraham and member of the house of David. He was a carpenter by trade. His mother's name was Mary. Jesus was born in a stable in the city of Bethlehem in Judea. He is survived by his mom, his faithful disciples, numerous followers. Jesus spent most of his adult life as a teacher He also worked as a medical doctor, healing many patients. Up until the time of his death, he was teaching and sharing the good news while feeding the hungry, touching the lonely, and helping the poor. Jesus was also known for sharing parables about his father's kingdom and for performing miracles. On the day of his death, he held a Passover feast and instituted what has been called the Lord's Supper. It was at this meal that he foretold his impending death. Jesus' body was quickly buried in a new stone grave that was owned by Joseph of Arimathea, a loyal friend of the family. By order of Pontius Pilate, a boulder was rolled in front of the tomb, and Roman soldiers were stationed on guard to ensure there was no foul play. Jesus will be missed. He left us far too young. In lieu of flowers, the families requested everyone try to live as Jesus lived. Donations may be sent to anyone in need. The author of this obituary was unknown 
with a couple of adaptations to make it appropriate for this day. Uh, but what the writer of this obituary fails to say is that Sunday is coming. Like S.M. Lockridge used to say, used to preach right over the other side of the bridge from where we stand right now, uh, Sunday is a coming. And on that day, Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we're here today. So really, every single Sunday is an Easter Sunday if the gospel is preached. So let's continue to worship our Lord and praise him in song as uh, Katie and Shira lead us today. Yeah. 
Jesus, then you, you are a rich individual indeed. So glad for that. Okay, moms and dads of First Baptist Church, do me a favor. Get your children to look at the screen for the next few minutes. This is the next couple of minutes. I'm going to give them uh, the children's message. I always enjoy this part of the 
uh, program, and I really miss not having the boys and girls up here on the platform with me. So get them on the screens, uh, get them in, looking in as close as it can. If you don't have children to get, turn to Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23, for the message for the adults in just a few moments on the seven last words of Jesus. But <clears throat> for right now, boys and girls, I <clears throat> hope you're there. If you're there, say hi. Wave at me. Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. All right, why don't you pay attention because I want to ask the question, does God really, really, really love us? Uh, God's Word says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> but some people are saying these days of the, this virus and this sickness that's going around, they're saying, God, if God's really a God who loves us, why would he let that happen? So there must not be a God, or if there is a God, he must not love us. Well, I don't have all the answers, but I've got one for you today that I want you to remember. How many of you boys and girls have moms or dads or grandparents or some other adult who's raising you? Raise your hand up real high. Raise your hand up. Come on. Okay. All right. Good. How many of you know that your moms and dads, your grandparents, the adults who are raising you, love you. How many know that? Put your hands up. Your mom and dad's watching. Okay. All right. Good deal. Now, let me ask you a question. If you get a cold and you don't feel good and your nose is all stopped up and you have a sore throat, does that mean your parents don't love you? Of course not. It means we live in a world that's got germs and got all kinds of problems because Adam and Eve a long time ago made some bad decisions and disobeyed God. And every one of us since then have been guilty of sin also. Let me ask you another question. If your mom and dad keep you from doing something that wouldn't be good for you, you'd like to do it, but it wouldn't be good for you, does that mean they don't love you? I mean, what if you decided you didn't want to eat anything but candy from now on? You were going to have candy for breakfast, candy for lunch, candy for supper, candy for snacks, candy for everything. That's all you were going to have. That sounds cool, huh? But you know what? That wouldn't be good for you. And one day you're going to thank your parents that they didn't let you do things that weren't good for you. Third question is, if they discipline you for doing something wrong, does that mean they don't love you? Not at all. In fact, according to the Bible, it means they really do love you when they correct you when you do something that's wrong. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, and he punishes each one <clears throat> he accepts as a child. So if bad things happen to us, it doesn't mean that there's no God. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us, and it doesn't mean that it's God's fault. In fact, one of these days, God is going to fix everything that's wrong in the entire universe, and he's going to do it forever and ever and ever if you trust him as your Lord and as your Savior. You got that, boys and girls? God's real. God loves you. Let's pray to him right now. Our Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the fact that you are a loving God. <clears throat> Even in the midst of a crazy world with things going on that's weirder than it's ever been in our entire lives, you are God and you are on the throne and you are sovereign. And we're, we rejoice in that. Father, we ask you to bless us now. Bless these boys and girls who are watching. Bless the moms and dads. Bless those who are here in the auditorium. And thank you for each one. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the last two weeks, two Sundays, actually three Sundays now, I've prepared uh, two messages uh, for each week that 
I prepared first one years, months ago, before the 2020 even got here. Uh, I, I kind of had it figured out what I was going to preach and had part of it prepared uh, and finished it ahead of time. But then at the last minute, it changed in the light of this COVID-19 outbreak. So uh, today is, is a message that I prepared that I'm staying with, sticking with uh, the seven last words of Jesus. Uh, this is Palm Sunday, and that was a very significant date in history. Everyone is interested in the latest news, the latest reports on the subject of COVID-19. Uh, they, they tune in uh, in the news stations and find out what the latest is. Last words are very important. The last things they have to say. Now we're, we're not supposed to have more than 10 people in a gathering. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's all we have. So we're the perfect number. We're under that 10 mark. Uh, we're, we're social distancing. Uh, it's like the people here don't like each other because they're all spread out. That's not the case. That's not the reason. Um, so, so we find out every day, what, is the, what do we need to do now? Uh, what, what new uh, edicts are in place to protect us? So last words are very important. One's last will and testament is extremely important. The closing of a letter is very important. How you in, end up that letter, that salutation. The last words on a phone call. If, you can, if you've ever been in love and you remember being in love, and talking on the phone to that special person, how you end that up is always very, very important. The last words you say to someone before you board a plane are very important. In World War II, General Douglas MacArthur's famous last words were, what? I shall return. And he did. A child's last words in an argument are important. Did not, did to, did not, did to, did not. The most significant last words of all, though, were uttered on Calvary, 2020, approximately 20, 2020 years ago. And the first one's found in Luke chapter 23 in verses 33 through 38. And I'm reading from the NLT today. When they come to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. This, this uh, not a mountain really, but a hill outside of Jerusalem looked kind of like a skull. If you looked at it just right, because it had caves where the eyes would be and where the mouth would be. It's called the place of the skull or Golgotha. They nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right hand, one on his left. And Jesus said, here's his first utterance from the cross, Father, forgive them, they know not what they are doing. He looked out into that crowd of people who had cried out for his crucifixion. He looked out into that crowd of Jews for whom he had come to this world to love and to die for. He looked out into the crowd, saw the soldiers who had nailed his hands and feet to the cross. Maybe he saw some of the Romans uh, governors who reminded him of Pontius Pilate and, and his allowing the Jews to crucify the Son of God. He saw the soldiers gambling for his clothes by throwing dice. He saw the crowd as, as the leaders, Jewish leaders and government leaders scoffed, and they said things like, he saved others. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And in fact, the Bible says the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, if you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And in fact, there was a sign above his head on that cross that said this, these words, this is the king of the Jews. The Jews didn't like that wording. They wanted Pontius Pilate to remove it and change the wording, saying that he said he was the king of the Jews. But Pontius Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. What's happening on that cross 2,000 plus years ago? The end of his earthly ministry was upon him. He had left heaven's glory and the adoration of multiplied millions of angels. 
He had been born as a little baby to a virgin named Mary in, Jeru- in Bethlehem of Judea. He grew up as a young child, amazing the scholars in the temple with his knowledge of spiritual truths, and became a young man, and for three years he traveled up and down Israel. He lived a life of servitude for others. He became our example in virtually every area. He was soundly rejected by his own, and he's rejected even today. I got to thinking if it had been me on the cross, you think about this fact, what if it had been you on the cross? And we had come simply because we love the people to whom we had come, and we wanted somehow, we had the power to deliver them like Jesus did. What would we have said? And I'm afraid I wouldn't say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. I might have said something like, Father, kill them. I might have said, they're not fit to live. I might have cried out, help me, someone, help me, get me down from this cross. I might have looked to these thieves who were being crucified with me, silly as they were, attacking me when they were suffering the same fate. I might have looked to them and said, you'll be sorry, just wait. I'll get you. I'll get you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but so many times we take it upon ourselves to execute vengeance, don't we? I'll get you. Famous last words. I worked at a hospital in Springfield, Missouri, when I was going to Bible college, and it was in a psychiatric ward, actually. Worked there for three years. And one day we brought in, uh, they brought in a guy, the police did, several policemen brought him in, and and orderlies had to grab uh, arms and legs of this guy, thrashing around, big guy, muscly guy, and he was just out of his mind. And he had been picked up because he had held a gun on his wife. And so uh, we were putting him in lockup, And as we were going down toward lockup, he kept flexing and trying to get away. And I had one of his arms and his face, his head was right there. And I'm holding on for dear life. And he he looked at me and he said, I'm going to get you. I'll get you. I don't know where you work. I'll get you one day. Well, a week or two later, I was, I was driving home from work. I got off about 6.30 in the morning, and, and I was leaving the parking lot of the hospital. And I had the lights timed. You know how they're synchronized? So I had the stoplights all timed. So there was a, a Grand Prix sitting in the right-hand lane, and I came up the left-hand lane, and I timed it so that I went right through. Just as it turned green, I went right through. And I pulled out, and I noticed in my rearview mirror, the Grand Prix all of a sudden kind of, kind of lurched forward, kind of raised up in a hurry. And I thought, well, what in the world is that all about? So I picked up my speed a little bit, and the Grand Prix picked up its speed a little bit. And it was gaining on me. I picked it up a little bit more, and it picked it up a little bit more. I picked it up a little bit more, and it picked it up a little bit more. And I thought to myself, this is that crazy guy who's saying, I'm going to get you. He was waiting in the parking lot for me to get my car, and now he's coming after me. And so we're doing, I'm I'm telling you, we're doing 75 miles an hour in town. Now I'm not stopping for lights. I'm blowing right through them, and he's blowing right through them behind me. And so I'm thinking, all he said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And and I thought, now, how am I going to get rid of him? Because I'm coming to my street. And and so I thought, I know what I'll do. Every time I'd slow down, he'd start to pass me. So I said, I'll slow down just before I get to Dale Street. and, And when he comes around me, I'll make a real quick left, get in my house, and, and, and call the police if I need to and get some help. So I slowed down. He came alongside of me. I looked over him. He was a policeman. He had a police uniform on. I was, I was like, oh, no. I pulled over. I got out of my car. I walked up to him. He said, sit down. 
So I sat down in the squad car. I started to explain to him, sir, he said, shut up. Just shut up. He said, give me your license. I said, oh, man. I could just see the headlines in the Springfield paper the next day. A Baptist Bible College student arrested for reckless driving through the city streets of, of Springfield, Missouri. And so he took down my information. You know what he said to me? I'm, I'm honestly telling you the truth. He took down my driver's license. He said, we're going to be waiting for you. I'm, we're going to get you. I'm thinking, oh, great. Now i got police department that's going to try to get me too. But you know what? That's not what Jesus said. Jesus looked in the face of the people who betrayed him, who crucified him, and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And isn't it amazing that Jesus is always ready to forgive? People say he's unfair. They say God's unfair, sending people to hell. Well, in truth, people are not fair. Because God gave the ultimate sacrifice to redeem us all. And he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And yet his own people and many of us Gentiles have rejected him and rejected him and rejected him. He paid the ultimate price. He paid his life. And yet people didn't want anything to do with him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The second thing is found in Luke chapter 23, also verse 43. Jesus said unto them, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. What was going on? Who was he talking to? Why did he say that? Well, the soldiers, as we mentioned, were gambling for his clothes. The Jews were mocking him. The thieves were railing on him. But one of them grew silent. One of them turned to the other one and, and, and rebuked him. In Luke 23, 39 through 43, he says, One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man in the center cross, this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, again, Jesus could have ignored this plea. He could have said, you know what, you, you, you've broken the law. I'm not sure what this criminal was guilty of, whether it was murder, whether it was thievery and robbery. Whether, I don't know what it was, but he could have said, you're getting what you deserved. Jesus could have said, absolutely not. You were mocking me right along of every, side of everyone else. He could have said, it's too late. You're about to die. He could have said, where are your good works? He could have said, where's your baptism certificate? He could have said, where's your membership belong? What church are you a member of? But he didn't say any of these things. Instead, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Salvation is instantaneous. Salvation is sufficient. Salvation is secure. Third thing he says, he turns to his mom now. In John 19, 26, when Jesus saw his mother standing beside the disciple he loved, and by the way, I cannot imagine how difficult this was for Mary to know that this was a special son sent by God, conceived while she was still a virgin, never having known a man physically. I can't imagine what must have been coursing through her mind, seeing her loved one dying and being tortured that way. But he turns to her in the crowd And he says, dear woman, here is your son. And he's referring to the apostle John. Here is your son. And he said to John, here is your mother. 
And from then on, his disciple took her into his house. You know what Jesus was doing? He was making provision for his mom. The widow ladies in Jerusalem and Judea and Bethlehem and Nazareth and all, in fact, in most of the world at that point in time, were pretty vulnerable when their husbands were gone, when their sons were gone, not able to take care of them. And so he says, I'm, I'm taking care of you, Mom. Here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm providing. John, would you take care of Mom? Would you, would you make sure that her needs are met? Now, do you notice that the first three things that Jesus said were about others? Father, forgive them. They know, know not what they do. To the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. To his mom, woman, behold your son. Others. He was concerned about others. Always about others. One of my favorite poems Lord, help me to live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must need be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to rise again unless to live for others. And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, May I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I may live like thee. We ought to be concerned. You're hearing on the news and seeing on the news reports of people who are doing amazing things for other people, and that's the way it ought to be. And I want to encourage all of you who are watching or either listening here live or, or watching online, help other people during this time. Try to do what you can for them. And as I mentioned, if, if you need something, let us know. We've got folks in our church who are, who are helping people right now, taking groceries and uh, helping them with other needs. So just let us know. He's concerned while he's dying, going through the agony of the cross, he's concerned about ministering to other people. Soon he'll say, I thirst, but not yet. Later he'll cry out, why have you forsaken me, God? But first, he cared about his mom. So kids, if you're still watching, take care of your mom. Take care of your dad. Watch over them. There's a promise for loving and providing for your parents in Exodus chapter 20. In fact, it's the first of the Ten Commandments that have a promise connected with it. God will extend your life if, in fact, you will honor your father and your mother. The fourth thing that Jesus says now, the focus moves from others on the first three things to this fourth item in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is actually fulfilling Psalm 22, one almost word for word. It says in Psalm 22, 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And guess what? In Psalm 22, verse 3, it answers the question why. It's because you, Father, are holy. Well, wasn't Jesus holy? We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe they're the one in essence. We believe they're manifested in three persons and three personalities, but they're indivisible. They are one. We serve one God, three different manifestations, the Trinity. How can it be then that the Father is holy and the Son was not, if he in fact wasn't at that moment, and he wasn't because Psalm 
because Isaiah 53.3 says this. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. As, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But listen to this. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of, of us all. So it wasn't his sins that he was dying for. It wasn't his sins he was pierced for. It wasn't his sins he was whipped for. It wasn't his sins that showed he had wandered away from his father. Rather, he was bearing upon himself our sins, our sinful thoughts and actions and words. He, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So God, the Father, could not look upon his only begotten Son for the first time and the only time in all eternity because he became sin for us. What was his response? He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never spoke a word. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before his shearers, he opened not his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, and his life was cut short in midstream. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had ever de never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal he was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. And then he closes that portion with, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. So he says, Father, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing. He says to the thief on one side, today you'll be with me in paradise. He says to his mom, Mom, John's going to take care of you, John. I want you to take care of mom for me. And then he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says just two words, I thirst. I thirst. John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. This is remarkable. He who was living waters. You remember what he told that woman at the well? That Samaritan woman? If she would drink of the water he would provide, she would never thirst again. Everlasting water. Yet here he is, living water, and he's thirsting. You see, he was God, but he was also man. He knew firsthand man's needs and wants and shortcomings and fears and trials and heartaches and agonies, and bereavements, and sorrows, and longings. He even knew our temptations, and yet without once ever sinning. Today, he promises we can do all things through him. You know why? Because he has been there. He has been there. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Today, sir, you'll be with me in paradise. Mom, John's going to take care of you. John, would you take care of that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I thirst. The sixth thing he says, it is finished. John 19, 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, 
it is finished, and has bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now, some have supposed, I've read, I've read where people have written that he was at this point uh, weakened and dehydrated and defeated and dying and hopeless, and, and, and he whispered these words uh, as they could barely form them in his mouth, but I think they're wrong. I think Jesus said, it is finished, victoriously, with full strength. He had come for this moment in time. He had prophesied it was going to happen. He had waited for it, and now he announced it. It is finished. I've done what I came to do. The word in the Greek there is an interesting word. The Greek is tetelestai. Translated into English, it is finished. The word tetelestai occurs in John 19, 28, and 19, 30. These are the only two places in the New Testament where it's found. In, in verse 28, it's translated, after this, when Jesus knew that all things were now completed, so the word is completed, in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. So the word completed is the tetelestai. And then two verses later, he says, it is finished, the same exact word in Greek. And you don't see that in English, but it's the same word. You see, the word tetelestai was also written on business documents of Jesus' day uh, to show that a bill had been paid in full. So when you paid for something that you ordered, paid for something that you bought, and they would stamp it or write on it tetelestai, it was paid in full. A Greek-English lexicon says this, receipts were often introduced by the word tetelestai, usually written in an abbreviated manner. The connection between receipts and what Christ accomplished would have been quite clear to John's Greek-speaking readership. They, they immediately seized on that. They immediately saw that. Tetelestai, it is finished. It is paid in full. It would be unmistakable that Jesus Christ had died to pay for their sins. They would have gotten it. The work his father had given him to do was finished. The law was satisfied. The just died for the unjust. All of the tens of thousands of sacrifices of, of, of bulls and, and sheep and goats and pigeons and turtle doves and meat offerings and meal offerings, all of those pointed to this one ultimate sacrifice, the Son of Almighty God on the cross of Calvary. 2,000 plus years ago. So he says, Father, forgive them. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He says, woman, behold your son. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, I thirst. He says, it is finished. And the last thing that he says, the seventh thing that he says, is in Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, a loud voice, not a weak voice, not a whimper, not a whisper. When Jesus had cried <clears throat> with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said that, he gave up the ghost. He had fulfilled his eternal purpose. He was ready to go back home. You know what it means here? He literally dismissed his spirit. But Rome didn't take his life from him. He gave it up. The Jews didn't take his life. He gave it up. The Gentiles couldn't, put, couldn't have taken his life. He gave it up. And if that were not enough, he had the power himself. But if that were not enough, he could have called 10,000 angels, as the song goes. But he gave it up. Literally, he dismissed. He said to his own spirit, 
go now. He didn't just slip away. <clears throat> Sometime during the night, one of my aunts slipped away into the presence of Almighty God. Been ill for a while. Loved her like a second mom. She's with the Lord now. She's not suffering now. Her, her life slipped away. Jesus didn't die that way. Jesus just said, Spirit, leave now. He gave his spirit permission to go home. It was a death unlike any other. And what would happen in three days, we'll talk about next week, is a resurrection unlike any others. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let me ask you this. In this time of COVID-19, isolation, distancing socially and all of that, is there someone you need to forgive? Someone, maybe you said the words, I'm going to get you one day. Or maybe you didn't say the words, but you thought it. I'm, I'm going to get you. Someday I'm going to get you. I'll get even. Or some people say, I don't get even, I get ahead, you know. <laughs> I think I've said that a couple of times. <clears throat> but <clears throat> that was a long time ago before I was sanctified, okay? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Are you ready to be with the Lord? In if the Lord comes back today, are you ready to go there with him? Woman, behold your son. son. Is there someone, <clears throat> your, your parent, <clears throat> a brother or sister, someone you need to help and take care of? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he bore our sins. He thirsted. It is finished. Father, into my hands, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Have you given your spirit to God? Has he forgiven you? Will you be with him in heaven? Please let his supernatural death result in your supernatural rebirth. Trust him today. I'm going to ask you, even if you're watching at home and the folks that are gathered here, just to bow your heads for a moment. <clears throat> and if you're not sure that Christ is your Savior, I want you to pray to ask him to come into your heart and your life and to be your Savior. And you can pray it something like this. You can say, Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I can't make it to heaven by myself. I know I'm going to die one day, and I want to be with you. I believe that Jesus is your son, Father, and I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And this morning, I ask him to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior, to help me to repent of my sins and put my full faith and confidence in you, dear Jesus. I trust you and believe that whosoever shall call upon your name shall be saved. I call upon your name. Save me today. And if you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you'll write me a little note, if you'll drop it in the mail or email me or leave something on the website, I'll send you a little booklet to help you get started in your walk with Christ. Father, help us. Lord, bless our country. Bless the world. Bless those who are suffering from COVID-19. God, heal them, raise them up. I pray, Father, that you would protect our people. I pray you'd protect our families, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, and help us to do all we can to help others in their time of need. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, uh, the message will be, I am the resurrection and the life. It is Easter. And we will hope to see you here online, Facebook, uh, next Sunday morning. Wherever you are, celebrate Easter because, in fact, and indeed, he is risen. Shira, would you dismiss us? Katie.
so much for joining us today. We hope that you have been blessed by hearing God's word and that it changes you. So we are looking forward to celebrating the resurrection of our Savior next week. Please join us again next week at 10. Invite your friends, socially distancing, and we pray that you have a very blessed week.